Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. I don't know what to say right now. I literally don't know how to start this intro. Um, Big life update, you guys. I'm engaged. I have been on cloud 9000 for the past week. I am so exhausted. I don't think I've ever been this tired in my life, but I wouldn't want it any other way. I'll give you guys the little rundown and then Jake and I are actually going to record an episode tomorrow about recapping the proposal and our first week being engaged and all of the festivities. And we will answer the number one question that everybody has been asking, did I know it was coming or not? So stay tuned for all of that. We are really excited to kind of just recap it all and have also that recording down as a memory of part of our engagement week. So it was really incredible though. He proposed to me in the spot where we had our first date over two years ago. And it was just the most, truly the most special and incredible moment of my entire life. I actually like burst into tears the second he got down on one knee. And I've never in my life had a rush of emotions like that. I didn't know that I was capable of like bursting into happy tears. I've literally never done that in my entire life. And it was just so like, I felt like I was floating and I can't, I don't know. I just, I wish I could bottle up that feeling. Um, but trust me when I tell you it is worth the wait and is worth all of the shitty people who ghost you and all of the bad dates and all of the people who are breaking your heart right now. Like it is all leading to you finding your person and you being ready for that person. Like, Jake and I always say, had we met six months before or any other point before, we wouldn't have been ready for each other. And I just want everyone to know that like your time will come. And trust me, it was not an easy journey getting here. And that's part of the reason that I get to be so grateful that I have this incredible person in my life and that we've created this relationship and our little family with Barkley. And I'm just, I don't know. I've had a lot of emotions this week. It's really been a roller coaster, but it was incredible. And um, the next morning we flew down to Florida where both of our families are. And we had celebrations for a few days. And then he headed back up to New York for work. And I headed to Miami for my best friend from growing up and my old roommate, Jesse's bachelorette party. So it's been a whirlwind of a few days and now we are starting to look at venues and figure out some wedding logistics. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot to catch you guys up on. Huge, huge thank you and biggest hugs to every single person who commented on one of the posts or the videos or DM'd or texted. If I did not get back to you, I am truly so sorry, but there's a chance that I likely did not get back to you. I I promise I saw your message and it meant so much to me. It was just a really overwhelming few days where like even some of my closest friends, I literally didn't respond to them for two days because I've never like had so many people reach out to me in a time where I was also trying to stay off of my phone and be really, really present. So like there are a lot of people who I have not gotten back to and I feel really badly about that because all of those messages were incredible and, and I do want to get back to you guys. It just might take like seven to 14 business days, but I love you all. 
Anywho, stay tuned for the Jake and Alana proposal engagement week recap. We are really excited to do that. It feels really special. We are going to do it before going to a Jonas Brothers concert tomorrow night. That has also been a huge theme of our engagement week. And for those who don't know, Jake and I ended up matching on Hinge because I had a prompt in my profile that mentioned that I love the Jonas Brothers and he loves them too. So he messaged me and said that and we both completely believe like that is what originally like brought us together. And that's the first thing we really connected on and had in common. And we've been to like five Jonas concerts already together. And this week we are adding more to that list because the brothers decided to coincidentally plan five shows at a Broadway theater in New York city to celebrate our engagement. Not actually, but we could not have dreamt up a more perfect way to celebrate than by going to a Jonas Brothers concert. So we have that on Tuesday night together. Basically what they're doing is every single night is a different album because they have a new album coming out. So we're starting Tuesday night is Jonas Brothers, their self-titled album with like Hold On and SOS and When You Look Me In The Eyes. And then as each night goes on, it's a different album all leading up to their new album on Saturday night. So I am eternally grateful because their team actually hooked us up with tickets for Tuesday night, which is the concert we were really like dying to go to together. And it's the best engagement gift I could ever possibly imagine. So really going to be so special. And it's just, I'm like speechless that they made that happen for us. So we have that Tuesday night. And then I was able to get tickets with friends for Thursday and Friday. So it is a whole Jonas week, you guys. I wouldn't want it any other way. So more to come on Jonas and engagement and all that fun stuff. In the meantime, today's episode is freaking incredible. And I am so excited for you guys to listen. I have Ariella Azaroff. She is a licensed clinical social worker. She's a therapist with her own practice. She is joining us on the podcast today and she is truly incredible. Ariella specializes in subjects like anxiety, depression, life transition, self-esteem, relationship issues, self-awareness, dating, codependency, and so much more. And this episode really covers such a wide range of topics, but in such an impactful and important way. So thank you, Ariella, for coming on the podcast. And you guys, thank you so much for listening. I am just, I don't even know what to say. I'm surprised I made it through this intro because I am half asleep and over the moon and don't know what which way is up so i love you guys and one more thing before we get into the episode ariella azaroff welcome to seeing other people thank you for having me i'm so excited to be here i am so excited to have you you not only have your own practice but you specialize in anxiety and depression with young professionals which is so important thank you for obviously doing everything that you do but for coming on seeing other people because I feel like you have seen and heard and studied so much of what is really impacting so many or the majority of the seeing other people listeners. So I'm really, really excited to have you and to get your insight. I'm curious what led you to want to specialize in that. Yes. Good question. First of all, thank you for bringing light and, and attention to important conversations, because I think that especially when we're talking about dating and navigating how to honor your needs while also showing up and being vulnerable, you know, to try and create and put yourself out there and be in a relationship and date, you know, we sometimes a lot of people can really lose sight of themselves. You know, can you, you can lose sight of yourself in order to please others or to, 
you know, kind of get into a relationship. And, you know, I think a part of, for many years, I, I worked with teens more at risk in my earlier training. And then as director of mental health at a school. And then when I went out on my own, I said, you know what, this is really a need that I feel super passionate about, of helping people find their voice, helping people take themselves seriously. And I think it was just from seeing so many men and women alike lose themselves that I find that therapy, and this is not an ad for therapy, but it's kind of like, you know, when you're on a hike and there's a trail and you lose yourself, you know, and you kind of have to follow the points back. I find that mm-hmm. therapy and, and, and creating that space for yourself in your life of kind of like a touchstone somewhere that it's like your home base that you can come back to and you could refine yourself in whatever it is that you're moving through or struggling with. You know, I, I find that I, I really became passionate about it because too many people were losing themselves getting yeah. in their own way. As someone who has lost myself on that path, I think not only is that the perfect metaphor, but it's something that it sounds from the outside like, oh, well, just like get back on track, like figure it out, you'll be fine. But it takes so much work. And you're completely right. Like I, when I was going through like, I call them like my dark days, I really appreciated having therapy as just something to like ground me every week and something where it's like, okay, this in a way, like, just exactly that like helps me stay on track. And I know even if I take like, one step forward and five steps backwards, that's still one step forward or like only four steps backwards, you know? Yes. Yes. I always say that therapy really helps you get through life cleaner. It's kind of like wringing out a sponge and it's kind of like, oh, let's like get rid of all the excess and then come back to baseline. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk more, but I think especially with dating, you know, we're always trying to, we want, our goal is to be the healthiest version of ourselves in relationships. And we all have different attachment styles, different needs that could really get lost. So when you when you have that space to really reflect and think about in a non-judgmental space, right? You never want to be judged by your therapist. It's very important for you to reconnect to yourself. Yes. Yeah, I want to talk about needs. That's that's a word you just mentioned. That's something that I really want to kind of focus on on this episode because I get so many questions from my listeners of how do I express my needs? How do I talk about my needs or or communicate them without being needy Mm. or is being needy normal? Like we all have needs and to some extent, like having needs is completely normal. And the only thing that gets in the way of our needs being met is us in a way, not communicating about them or not letting somebody know, Hey, these are my needs. Are you able to meet them? So I would love to kind of get into just a conversation about how we can better communicate or where to start with communicating your needs, whether it be on the first like one, two, three dates or three months, three years into a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a good place to start is to really understand that it starts with you. And what I mean by that is taking a really good look at getting to know yourself. So very often when you experience yourself as needy, and I don't, I don't want to get too psychoanalytical, but it, it does come from childhood stuff, as I say, right? It kind of comes from your core beliefs. Core beliefs are kind of like the, the glasses that you wear in the world, you know, the way that you view yourself and the world around you. And that does come from earlier kind of messages that you've been sent about yourself as a child, as a teenager that has now evolved to you as, as an adult. 
So I do think it's important to take a reflective look at yourself and ask yourself, why am I wired this way? You know, so just a really quick kind of overview about attachments. We can't talk about dating and relationships without understanding like your attachment style a little bit. So some of you listening might be like, yes, I know all about attachment styles. Or you might be like, what the heck is this lady talking about? So in a nutshell, attachment styles is really the way it's formed in infancy of the way that our parents, our caregivers would respond to us. So there are insecure attachments and there are secure attachments. You know, in two um, styles of insecure attachments are more anxious attached, which I think a lot of people fall into, which is personalizing somebody's lack of communication or something they say you personalize about yourself. You know, when somebody ghosts you, you all of a sudden assume it's something that you did, right? Which is so normal. And that's such a normal fold we kind of go into, right? And another form of insecure attachment is avoidant. So just completely avoiding because you don't want to even make yourself vulnerable to a relationship, right? So the way that we heal that is really with being someone secure, attached, who's consistent, who shows up, who's communicative, So I'm going to pause here, but I think first it's important for you to really get to know yourself and your own attachment style so you can understand why you're showing up in certain ways in your dating. I have a question and I feel like anytime we, and we talk about attachment styles a lot. Um, but I really like going back to the basics and and kind of revisiting what they are for anyone who's new or, or just less familiar. Every time we talk about it, I, this question comes up in my head and I've never actually like spoken it out loud. And I feel like today's the day knowing that there are these different attachment styles that come out of parenting and like those early stages of living do new parents or or, are there parents out there who are trying to cater their parenting style to form a securely attached human knowing how much emotional distress can come from being anxious or avoidant? Yes. Such a good question, Alana. Yes. It's intense. It's, it's intense. You know, I, I'm not yet a parent, but I could definitely see, even with my nieces and nephews, like if they're crying, like I run to them, you know, or if they're, but it's so challenging because on one hand, there's something called sleep training where you let your, you cry it out, you know, and it kills me when you hear a baby crying, but there are different methods that you can assure the baby, you know, that you're there and that, that they're okay and that they're safe, but you also let them cry it out. So it's not about, it's about being um, aware and it's about knowing, yeah, it's an intense feeling for a parent of, oh my God, every, every, you know, when, especially when a parent has many young children, you know, and you want to, you want to attend to each of their needs. It could be a very intense feeling. I have many clients who are parents who, struggle with that a little bit of I'm only human and I'm only one person and my husband is and my partner you know is only we're only two people and it's it's a very hard balance of tending to to the best of your ability and also you know being human you know I always say to my clients also as adults it, it could feel like you don't want to shame or blame your parents you know, that, that they didn't tend to my needs so now I'm anxious attached. No, it could mean that they did the very best that they could at the time. And the way that we heal our attachment is through reading about it, talking about it, noticing it, and then reworking it and showing up for ourselves and how to self-soothe as adults when it creeps up. Yeah. Does it always or almost always come from childhood or can it come from something else? Like 
I myself experienced this and I know other people have where I never felt anxiety in a certain way until I went through a really traumatic relationship experience. And after that point, it was like anxiety was just taking over my entire life. But I never felt like that. And I didn't even know that that was in me until I had this unfortunate experience. Yeah. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Second of all, you know, attachment, the style is formed in infancy. But as we move through life, you know, and I kind of have this example of, you know, we're all born as like a a clean piece of paper. We haven't been through any traumas, right? We're pure. Babies are the most purest. That's why they're so calming. And then we move through life and we experience trauma. We experience heartbreak. We experience breakups. We experience disappointment. And we kind of, the paper is then folded into all these little folds. I use a lot of analogies in my work. because I think that's how we could break things down. And then we go into these folds that kind of cause us to be a little bit wounded in some ways. And then the way that we really work through it is by ironing them out through therapy, through healing, and you kind of become that paper again, but there's little creases in it. So the creases, I believe, can be, you know, little traumas, which a, a breakup or a significant, you know, really difficult relationship, you know, that took years or months to break up, for sure, that can cause insecurity, that could cause a sense of self-doubt, right? It depends on the level of you know, what kind of abuse, perhaps psychological or emotional manipulation, what went on in the relationship, it can cause kind of those folds, which then make you show up differently in your dating. Yeah. I love that paper analogy. I think that is amazing. And I've never heard that before. And I'm just sitting here like picturing it like getting wrinkled, getting folded, getting crumpled, and then trying to straighten back out. Like I love that so much. Because then it's so much more, you're so much more self-compassionate when you understand why you're showing up and you're struggling, you know, when you're yeah. trying to continue. Because today we're talking about really just dating, even before you enter a relationship. So really understanding why you're anxious or understand because a lot of times we look at anxiety as like the most annoying thing, right? It's like that kid that Nothing is more irritating to me than tapping. Like never tap my shoulder. <laughs> right? Noted. Like, like I'm tapping you. I'm incessantly tapping. And it's like, oh my God, shut up. Right. That's how we want to yeah. talk to anxiety because it's so freaking annoying. But the way, and, and this is what I do a lot of with my clients is we have to really befriend our anxiety. Like, what are you trying to tell me? Yeah. Okay. So how about this? Let's say you're some, let's, let's say I'm somebody who is really anxious and I'm getting into a new relationship or I've gone on two dates with somebody we're like texting frequently. We have a third date planned, but I'm getting incredibly anxious about this situation. And there's something either maybe that they're doing or that they're not doing or something about the situation that is providing me extra anxiety. And I want to open up about it. How can I communicate that to this person in a way where it's not blaming them. And it's not saying this situation is doomed. It's just saying, here's this thing about me. And maybe if we could try doing X instead of Y, it would help. Yeah. <clears throat> oh my, Alana, I see why you're such a successful podcast hostess because your questions truly that's so on point. So there's, I, I would answer yeah. that in two ways. Okay. There's twofold. One is 
the most important thing, and it's funny because I have some clients that say like, Ariel, I hear you in my head sometimes. Like when I'm so anxious, I'm like, okay, what's going on for me? First, before you respond to someone else, which we'll talk about, that's the second part, like practical language of how to assert Mm -hmm. your needs. We'll talk about that. First, you want to pull back and you want to try and understand what's going on for me. Because I can't explain to someone else what's going on until I know what the heck is going on, right? So first you want to stop. And I always say, feel your feet on the floor because that grounds all of our anxious running thoughts. Feel your feet on the floor and take a minute and really check in with yourself, whether that's with a breath, turn on your favorite song, whatever you need to do. And to try and connect to what is my anxiety telling me, right? Can I calm it? Is it just saying, okay. This is scary to go out with someone. I think I might really like him. I think I'm actually excited. Excited is a new feeling. I'm used to being disappointed, right? How many people can, can does that resonate with, right? Is this, is this my anxiety just telling me that there's something good here and I'm excited? Or, right, and this is a whole nother podcast, is it really my gut talking that there's something about this person that isn't sitting quite right? And I'll give a few examples. You know, are they texting incessantly? Are they not really listening to the time and date that works for me? Are they not really being thoughtful that I said, I don't want to go for a drink and they're insisting on we go to a bar, right? Are they making me travel further away than where I live? I mean, gosh, all of you listening, this probably resonates, right? Is there something that is my anxiety leading me to just about the future, right? That's in a nutshell, how we know the anxiety versus gut. Is it saying something about the future? Or is it leading me to something about that person? Because if it's leading to about that person, that's usually your gut saying, ah, something's, something's not sitting right here. I got to listen to that. I think that's a really good way to put it because we always hear like, trust your gut, but nobody talk or people do, but I feel like it's not talked enough about like what that actually means and when you should listen to it or when it's maybe just like your anxiety talking. And I think those are perfect examples of things where somebody might actually be like disrespectful and not caring about what you've asked for or what your literal, what your needs are like from the start. And I think, you know, I hear stories all the time of like, I set up this first date, but this person said this thing and I like really don't want to go now. And I'm like, don't go. If this is already happening and you haven't even met this person, but they're already doing something that feels unfair or just not right, do not go on this date. Yeah. You know, there's no need to. Yeah. And what becomes complicated, Alana, is that when people have been through trauma, and I say that lightly, but a breakup or or a dysfunctional relationship, they have a very hard time accessing their gut. Because they don't yeah. know what's talking, right? Because you're, when you, oftentimes when you're healing trauma and you're healing a relationship, your whole nervous system is pretty messed up, right? That we really have to learn ways to self-soothe and to calm to be able to react and respond from a place of, of grounded, right? And, and, and calm. Yeah. Well, on that note, and this might be a loaded question, but how do you learn to in a way, trust yourself again after going through something like that. Because I know for a lot of people who experience a traumatic situation in a relationship or any form of abuse, like sometimes you end up blaming yourself. And then that gets really confusing when you are trying to, when like you're trying to heal, you're trying to get back out there. But, you know, there's a voice in your head that says, well, you got yourself into that last situation. You know, with this, I use IFS, which is internal family systems, which is really understanding parts, 
So that part is the protective part. That's kind of like with you. It's like your fanny pack. <laughs> it's kind of with you. And it's literally like, yeah, yeah, always with me. You know, it's like that Lululemon fanny pack. It's like, yeah. I went on a trip to France this summer and it was like a part of my limb. Like it was like a part of my yep. body. It was like a really a body part. A third arm. Right? It was an yep. arm. <laughs> and that part is your protective part saying, I'm here with you. Right? I'm with you. I'm not going to let you lose yourself again. Right? And the hypervigilance and the always looking and I want to get back to language because I think people struggle with what language to use to assert boundaries, which was the second part of the last question. But I think the part of really recognizing that our anxiety or the protector is that voice, we don't want to shun that. We don't want to get rid of it because that's what's going to help us show up differently. You know, when you've been through something hard or you lost yourself or you, you're healing from a difficult breakup or a difficult relationship. You don't want to lose that protective part because that's the very thing that's, that's, that's helping you. Yeah. So you want to, but you don't want it to take over because you also want to proceed with life with heart open, right? Once you've been able to heal. So you want to just kind of like honor it of really imagining like it's that, you know, like I was saying, like a tapping the shoulder is so annoying. So I kind of think of, I always like to do this. Think of like the cutest three or four year old, you know, I think of my niece, Think of the cutest three or four of you old to know, and they're kind of tapping you and they want candy incessantly. I want candy. I want candy. And all you want to say is like, I me see too. you. Okay. Yeah, me too. Like, I see <laughs> you. Okay. Like, you want to yell at the kid, but then you see how cute they are and you take them and you say, okay, let's go get you candy. Or let's go, I see you. Let's go find you candy. That's the voice that you want to use to embrace that, that, that voice to say, I hear you and I'm not going to let you go. You're not annoying. You're just, I see you're, you're here, you're in this room with me, but you're not going to yeah. take over. Do you hear the difference? Yeah. You'll get your candy. It just may take a few minutes. Exactly. But that's so much more compassionate than, oh my God, shut up, get away. Right. Yeah. But when you acknowledge yeah. that this is the part of me that's protecting me from harm, because I've been through harm, you're much more able to proceed in your dating and to, to also honor your needs. Yeah. You know, Lana, but going back to what you said before, because I do think this is something that comes up a lot, is when something is coming up for you, and I always like to tell people to notice in their body where it's coming up, if it's a headache, if it's your heart beating fast, right? If your hands are sweaty, like really notice in your body where it's coming up and say, okay, so something's, something's going on here, right? And then once you're able to access, is it this guy or this girl, or is it just my own anxiety? If it's something that comes up about the other person, like let's talk for a minute Alana, about language. Cause what do you feel like you hear a lot from people? I, I mainly hear people being afraid to express it cause they don't know how, you know? So people, instead of trying to communicate a, a need or a boundary or say, you know, like, here, one example I get is like, I'm a big texter and this other person is not. And I spiral and overthink and get really, really anxious when I don't hear from them. But then I see them in person and the date is great. Like, can, can I ask them to text me more? Is that needy? Uh, is that desperate? Are they going to hate me for that? Like, that's such a baseline example. But that's something that a lot of people experience. Oh, my God. Myself. Alana, that's such a big one. And also in 2023... You always know when someone's online and you know when a message yeah. is read, either you're communicating on Instagram or I know Facebook is like yeah. old school or WhatsApp or iMessage. Like you could, you have so many ways of knowing when they're online 
that it really, for somebody with, with anxiety and an anxious attachment style, it sends you in a freaking spiral, right? Beyond. So a way yeah. that you can, first of all, know that you're not too needy and you could take up space. That is like my message to men and women alike. You are not too needy and you can take up space because the right person for you won't ever feel like you're too anything. You're, you're just the way you need to be because you're being well-received, right? But the language that you could use with someone is to be very transparent and you lead and you emerge with confidence, right? So you could say, yeah, I always like to say when you're entering a relationship or when you're in a relationship, when you start with you, the other person's like ready for battle, like defensive. You don't, yeah, exactly. Like, here we go in the box. I got my fists up, like ready, boxers bounce. Yes. Ready to go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So when you start from a place of it's hard for me when, isn't that such a nicer way, right? It's hard for me when you don't answer right away, or it would be helpful to me if, right? Yeah. You check in with me midday, right? So when you say it's hard for me when I see you read my message and you don't write back, that person, right, can be more cognizant of saying, you know, not ignoring you, just running into a meeting. Obviously, there are ways that you could self-soothe on your own. So that person's not going to always be able to reassure. But I think in the beginning of just building the foundation of a relationship, yeah, it's very healthy to be able to express your needs and to honor your needs. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, that's a really good way to put it of like, it hurts me when, or it's hard for me when, instead of the opposite, which I feel like most people might just jump to, which is like, you read my texts and don't respond or like you haven't responded to me, but you're active on Instagram. Like that. Yes, that happens all the freaking time, but that is not the right way to say it because to, to that person, you're that you're literally saying like, you're not allowed to breathe before responding to my text. Like nothing is allowed to be more important than you getting back to me. Like how dare you read my text and post on Instagram without responding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have to think of it on the flip side, I think, where how many times a day do you get a text and you see it and you go and cook your meal before responding or you take a shower before responding or you end up scrolling and doing other things before responding and it's not malicious. It doesn't mean anything. You just did something else before responding. Well, something else, Alana, I think is important is, you know, when you have anxiety or when you struggle with anxiety, which is so many of us, right? It's almost like you need to know that a thinking trap, like a fold, like we said, yeah. is assuming. So you're assuming yeah. they're ignoring you or you're assuming that they don't want to speak to you. And I think something that's important to note here is that if you don't yet feel ready to express yourself, I use this a lot with my clients of just highlight, okay. I'm just noting, I'm noticing that he takes a long time to write back, or I'm noticing that he'll, left, he'll leave me unread, you know, and that's information for you, right? That you could kind of say, okay, maybe it's just been busy for him, but there's two parts. One is that, so I keep saying two parts because it's so loaded and trying to be concise. One part is that you can kind of create this affirmation of I am worthy and whole aside from this man or woman right? Like my mm -hmm. worth is not dependent on that person. That's really how we heal anxious attachment. Cause when we kind of like 
displays when we give that person all of our worth of like, want me, ask me out, right? That's like, you're coming, you're leading with desperation, right? And that's a little bit more of like desperate energy that you don't want to emerge with, right? As we kind yeah. of, we talk about trying to be your best version of yourself. So part of it is that you want to remember that you're worthy and whole with or without this person, right? And the second part is that if you don't feel ready to express it, you could just note it and see if that's a pattern that comes up. Yeah. I think that's really smart, especially instead of like jumping to conclusions and just, you know, the the first or second time something happens, being like, okay, this is now the thing I have to not attack, but like this mountain I have to climb over, this this hill I have to to get up. And I think a lot of times like things will resolve themselves on their own if you give them the time to. But I also recognize that when you're sitting there anxious about this thing, it feels like it's the end of the world and like it's not going to resolve itself, which is where the self-soothing comes into play like so, so majorly. Well, the anxious mind hates the unknown. You know, you want to fill that space with information. So very often, you know, you'll fill it with assumptions or conclusions. Oh, he hates me. It's done. We're over. Oh my God. I already know. Ariella, it's done. Right. It's the same thing. Like kind of with school, right? You end, you finish an exam, you know, and, and you're not really sure how you did. So you just say, I failed. I know I failed. And then you get your test back and like, you did really well. (laughs) It's like, why did I do that to myself? Right. So it's the same kind of idea that the anxious mind just wants to fill the unknown, but we're not, we're not servicing ourselves when we do that. How do you, especially when you're anxious, tap into your intuition? Mm. That is like my favorite question. Alana, we're so aligned. I love that. Intuition is a big, it's a big topic because we lose sight of it too often. So first of all, I use this language of, of soft and tight, right? So, so when our bodies are tight, right? And our anxious mind is running, 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 and our body is tight and we feel that tension. Do you ever feel that you guys during the day? It's like, I feel that for myself, like drop your shoulders, unclench. Like, what are you so tight about? Right. Do you ever notice that? Yeah. So when you- uh, all the time and I'm like, oh my God, why was I sitting like that? Or like, why was I so clenched? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. I notice that sometimes like I'm literally sitting and I have like a fist. I'm like, Ariella, open your heart. Like what is wrong? Yeah. So first yeah. of all, when you're tight, I don't know if they could see me, but when you're, when you're super, super tight, I'm like kind of tightening myself. Hold right? on. Even yeah. do this now, everyone listening, like kind of bring your shoulders up to your ears, make a fist, clench your eyes, clench your face, right? It's like super tight. And then you take a deep breath and you, you let it all go, right? Let go of all the tension, drop your shoulders, unclench your jaw. Then we become softer, right? When we're super wound up and we're in our heads, we can't access our intuition. We can't access that inner voice, right? Our intuition is really that inner compass, that inner voice. So first, what you want to do to access your intuition is to soften, right? It's kind of like when you get in a fight with someone, you know, if you're in a relationship or if you're you're single, right? Just think about someone in your life you've gotten a fight with that you felt like you needed a freaking minute and you needed space or yeah. else you were going to blow, right? Have you ever been there, Alana? I've been there. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? So it's kind of like that in the sense that what can help you kind of take that step back to soften so then you can access that. So I would answer that by saying, first, you need to know if you're, if you're tight and if you're in your head 
or if your feet are on the ground, your body is a little bit softer, and then you could get in touch once the noise is a little bit more calm. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I do think it makes a huge difference just taking that minute to notice like what's happening with my body right now. And that's something that I'm, I know I don't do enough of. Like, even when you said in the beginning, like, if you're feeling anxious, like put your feet on the ground and like, think like, where is this? Like, is it a headache? Is it my stomach? Is it whatever? Like, I never, I, I get anxious all the time and I never once have stopped to do that. How do, Which is crazy. How do you think Alana would be, not that this is your therapy, but like, how do you see, cause it sounds like this is a new idea. So how do you see like that would be helpful? I think it would get me out of my head for a minute by focusing on something else within me. Yeah. And then I could actually question like, okay, why? Like, it's almost like step one in then being able to like have the awareness of like, okay, I feel this way. Why do I feel this way? Yeah. And what's the worst that's going to happen? And how can I approach this? in a more effective, healthier way. Yeah. I love how you articulated that. Sorry. (laughs) No, I said that feels less terrible. Yeah. You know, I think what gets in the way of like the New York City flow, which I'm totally guilty of being in as well, as we're all hustling, you know, there's this, that's why we love it, right? There's like this energy of the city. I know in COVID, I moved out of New York for a year and I came back and I missed it. It's like, you come back. I remember the day I came back, it was like, smelled of garbage and, and taxis honking. <laughs> Look, before there was a siren, I didn't yeah. hear it. You're like, are you going to take a minute? Yeah. Like, oh, it's just like noise. It's just like a part of it, right? We're all in this yeah. hustle of, of life, of balancing the gym, therapy, dating, friends, work, happy hours, all these things that it's very hard to take a minute and to really reflect and to tap in. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. I think that's a big part of dating in 2023 is, is people are not always patient to take that, that beat. Yeah. And I think you gain a lot out of taking a minute and breathing and letting things play out instead of, you know, jumping to that conclusion or giving yourself like that always statement of like, this always happens. Like I'm never going to meet somebody. I'm never going to, not get ghosted. It's like, okay, well, hold on. That's not true. That is simply not true. Yeah. And why are we telling ourselves that story? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's a big piece of it, Alana, is the narrative that you create, right? It's, it's always going to be this way. I always say that no. And something I actually spoke about on my Instagram recently is that feelings are like visitors, right? Like no one stays too long. They come and they go. And if they stay too long, we show them the door. <laughs> and we generally yep. use our social media. Bye. Your time has passed, right? But it's interesting because when we view feelings as visitors and we know that they won't stay too long, we remind ourselves that it won't always feel like this. Yeah. And I think that is such an important reminder, especially when you're really going through something because it does feel like I'm never going to feel okay again or it's always going to feel this way. It's all, everything's going to be this terrible forever. Like the realistic reminder of that is just not true. 
And you might not believe that that's not true. But I think in the back of your mind, you will know, even if you're not ready to admit it. Yes. Yes. Because it's hard to admit to yourself. You know, it's hard to, because in that moment, you just want to soothe. So going to worst case scenario is soothing in a way. Helpful? No. Soothing? Yes. Why do we do that though? Why when we're in like our darkest of moments or feeling our worst, do we not want to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Like why do we want to convince ourselves everything is horrible and it's not going to get better? So I think if you ask different therapists, they'll say different things. Here's what I'll say. I think that our brains, not I think, I know, our brains are wired negatively. They are. Right? Think about it. We come out of our mom's womb. That sucks. And we, we're crying. You know, we are. Our, yeah. our, our brains are wired to, to be negative. And it takes so much work and so much effort to really rewire our brains. Right? Like repetition rewires the brain. So I think that we're just wired to think negatively and we have to amp up all the coping and all these tools to really reroute. It's like ways. It's like eh, wrong way. Like don't go down that way. You get back from a bad date, right? And you don't want to talk to anyone and you're pissed and you go to your room and you're like, great, I'm going to be single forever. I'm going to keep dating these losers. It's always going to be like this. My life sucks, right? And then you're texting all your friends about the bad date. And then you're ruminating and you're drowning it. And that's your whole night. It takes a lot of effort and skill to be able to say, okay, that was a really bad day. That really sucked. I never want to see him or her again. But I'm going to tell like one or two friends and I'm not going to drown in it. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruminate on this all night. I'm going to allow myself to be upset and disappointed and tell a few of my safe people but am I going to drown in it? You know, that's a lot of the work I do because the more like en- attention goes where energy flows, energy flows where attention goes, right? The energy mm-hmm. flows to what you give attention to. So I think yeah. we do that. And, and if you're texting all eight of your closest friends or your group chat of 10 people or even like five people and telling them about this, then that's five times the amount of time you're going to be talking about it than if you just told one friend. Yeah. And they're going to be asking about it and checking in and it's going to keep coming back up instead of just like acknowledging like, okay, that sucked. Um, not going to see that person again. Yeah. This feels shitty and like, I'm always going to be single, but let's move on. And tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. Yeah. I think another piece of it is also, kind of noticing your own energy bubble and who fills you and who really drains you. So I think yeah. noticing the the friends and the people and the family members that can show up for you in a way that's validating and not toxic positivity of like, oh, one more closer to the next or, you know, everyone, no, like it sucks, you know, important yeah. for people to really meet you in that place and validate for you. And you don't stay there too long, right? That they don't kind of feed into that kind of drowning negativity and, and misery. Yeah. 1000%. That's something I, I really learned in my like mid starting my mid twenties was there's people in your life and you have friends and, and people you love and they don't all have to be for everything. Like I learned that every time I talk to certain friends about 
my dating situations, like they made me feel shitty. And that doesn't mean they're a bad friend. That doesn't mean they're less important to me, but that just doesn't have to be the friend that I go to, to vent about my dating life because I don't feel good after. And there are friends that can be for just fun. You know, you can have your fun friends, your party friends who you don't have these close emotional conversations with. And that's okay. And I think that's something that was really hard for me to Mm. like a hard pill to swallow. But once I recognized that and started to kind of put that into play, I feel like my friendships all just got better for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Cause it's really about protecting your peace, you know, and, and we all have those friends that can kind of show up. Misery loves company. You know, you can have those friends that kind of can sit in that misery with you. But when you're working on being the healthiest version of you, and I always say, we always want to try and be light. We want to be light to other people. We want to be light to ourselves. And we want to surround ourselves with people that help us be light and help us be in a good headspace. You know, yeah. so the friends are a little bit heavier energy or the friends that, you know, are a little bit more negative. You do want to protect your peace by creating boundaries. You know, and I always yeah. say that boundaries are a way of saying, I care about you, but I care about me too. I love that. Right? Like I, I deeply care for you. I have so many friends I could think about that I care about them. I also care about me, right? And sometimes their energy and their own mental health is too heavy. It's not on me to fix, right? So it's really about protecting your peace with people that like fill you in a way that helps you. Yeah, absolutely. I have a few listener questions I want to touch on real quick. I'm going to read the first one. How can I cope with feeling blindsided and caught off guard when a guy ends things with you? Context. This guy and I had been on and off for seven months. I ended it with him first two months in. We took a multi-month break and then he reached out asking for a second chance. He had been consistent in his actions, showing me he wants to put in the work and effort and time into dating me. On a Friday morning of a week where we had gone on two dates and had one plan for that Sunday, he asked if we could be exclusive, official, take the next step, etc. Two days later on Sunday, he ended it. Not even my therapist saw it coming. Tips to cope with being blindsided by someone who puts in the work to be with you for seven months and then breaks up with you in two days after he initiates taking the next step. I thought this was interesting. And part of the reason I wanted to ask you about this was specifically because she said, or this person said, not even my therapist saw it coming. First of all, I'm taking a deep breath for this individual because that is so painful. So painful. Yeah. Uh, feeling like A plus B does not equal C, (laughs) right? Yeah. Like where was I supposed to know that your behavior and your words didn't align within what you did? So first of all, to this person, if they're listening, it's it's so deeply hurtful. And at the same time, it's so deeply not about you. I think it's so easy to personalize that it could feel so personal And the truth is, is that, you know, information, I I guess I have a more spiritual perspective, but as we flow through life, like each, each person that comes into our path, the person in front of you at Starbucks, the person in your gym class, the person on the subway, everyone is meant to be in your path. And there is something about this person that is no longer supposed to teach you something about yourself. 
right? We can never understand other people's behaviors. We can't. We can't understand why people are wired in the way they do, why they do the things they do. And what's so hurtful about being blindsided, which I can understand deeply, is that you feel like you have all that wisdom and connection with someone that when they do something that feels so out of character, it's so confusing. So I do think, Alana, for this listener, I think it's about also surrendering to not fully being able to ever figure it out. Because the more that we try to wrap our heads around it, the more it's like knocking against a brick wall. Because he's got to figure, he or she, whoever, you know, they have to figure out why they, why they behave this way. I think what you just said is beyond incredibly important in this situation and in so many dating situations where you have to surrender to accepting that you're not going to have the answer. And you could spend the next six months, a year, two years trying to figure it out, but you probably will never get a direct answer. And even if you were to have a conversation with this person, they might not even be able to give you an answer. And I think, yeah, I just love what you said about just, just surrendering to not knowing. And I I wish I had, if I could go back in time, I, I think I wish that's like the biggest thing I, I would tell myself is don't spend all of your time, time trying to like be a little researcher getting to the bottom of this. You're not the FBI. You're not CIA. You don't have to find the answer. And that might be because the answer doesn't exist. Yeah. And it's not as simple as this, but it's almost like acceptance is sometimes the closure that you're craving yeah. because this person is giving you information about themselves. They're inconsistent. They're not thoughtful. They're confused AF, right? They don't know what they want, but they're giving you information about the way they behave, which is not thoughtful. And sometimes we want an answer, but I want to understand. And that deep yearning to make sense can drive you even more crazy. Yeah. Drive you mad, Absolutely. right? So I do think that there's yeah. there's there's power in in relieving the distress by like radical acceptance of like I'm accepting that I can't figure out this person. But I know in my heart that I deserve better. A woman I was seeing for a couple of weeks just ended it between us, and I'm finding it ve- I'm finding it very hesitant to go back into the city where we spent a lot of time on our dates because I feel like it will bring back memories and remind me of her especially this great lounge bar, which I personally love. Any tips on how to overcome this mindset? Are there others out there who feel this way? First of all, of course, there are others out there who feel Been there a time or 20. (laughs) (laughs) We all have, um, you know, I'm going to use the word triggers for this one because we all have associations formed in relationships. So, um, you know, for me, I know a big one is music. I'm a big music person. Alana and I went to the Jonas Brothers concert together. So I know we both yeah, we did <laughs> music. Guys, that was uh, real quick. That was like one of the best nights ever. We, we took a like Hummer stretch limo. There were like 20 of us to the Jonas Brothers concert, not because we needed a limo. We were actually just trying to find like a school bus to take us, but we couldn't. And so we end up in this Hummer stretch limo, like having the time of our lives take on our way to this concert. It was the best night ever. And we didn't even all know each other. That's the power of yeah. like We had like a few mutual. Oh my God. And everyone was waiting oh, for Ubers night. after the concert. We're like, oh, our Hummer limo is here. We'll be our, our Hummer. 
waiting for us. <laughs> Back to this young man's question, because this is really painful. I was just making a joke about music. Everyone has associations and relationships. So whether it's music, whether it's restaurants, whether it's lounges, and like how painful that you took her to your favorite place and now that feels a little tainted. You know, we all have triggers, that whether it's a date and a cal- in the calendar of like your first date or their birthday or what was supposed to be. Like there's grief in in relationships and there's grief in breakups for sure. And I think a really big part of it is honoring what it's bringing up for you and saying, gosh, I really miss her, right? Like I really wish we were still together. And it's normal and I want to validate that going back to your favorite lounge or going back to your favorite restaurant or turning on that song it's it's honoring and it's holding space for oof this hurts a little bit like this is really hard for me I really miss them and it's a trigger so I would say that it's important for you to allow yourself to be triggered right there's a lot of triggers in grief and I would kind of say that it might be helpful to like replace a little bit how can I create new memories here so is it about and and, and or Is it just that this place is too hard for me? I can't go back there. Or do you feel like, you know what? This was one of my favorite places. It's a little tainted, but how can I create a new association with it? You know, can I go with a friend? Can I, you know, what what can I do to kind of recreate that space while also acknowledging the association I've created with this space? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also okay to say like, right now I'm not ready but I will be. Give yourself time. I I know for me after breakups where so much of our relationship and the time we spent together was like in my neighborhood, I didn't want to leave my apartment because I didn't want to like go to the grocery store that we went to together, even though that was my grocery store that I had been going to before I had met this person. And I think sometimes it just, it, it takes a little time and there's nothing wrong with giving the situation some space and going somewhere else for a bit. But then when you're ready, know that you'll be able to go back there and make new memories. Exactly. I love that though, but also honoring distance, like sometimes needing distance from something is okay for sure. Yeah. And healing is not linear. Let's be honest. And then I know we do. No, it's not. There's, there's space for, you know, you to really mourn what was, And then there are times that you may listen to that song or go back to that place and be fine. And there'll be times that you go back and it's so hurtful and you have to take a step outside and that's also okay. But it doesn't mean that if you are okay, that you don't miss. And it doesn't mean that if you don't miss, you're not hurting. Exactly. I love that. My final question for you and my favorite question to ask, what is the best piece of dating advice you've ever received? You know yourself best. Because we get so caught up in what other people think, what other people want. Is this good enough? Does this text look okay? Do I look okay? Did I sound right? Did I, should I go? You know yourself. We could check ourselves with people that we trust and people that we respect, but you know yourself best. And that's, that's the most important is that when you're connected to your, that's like our banger. That's, that's how we'll end. But when you're connected to yourself and you take yourself seriously, and you honor your needs and you stay true to your needs and you know yourself better than anyone around you, that's where you find your power. Could not have said it better myself. 
Ariella, thank you so much for being here. Well, where can everybody find you? And are is your practice accepting new clients right now? Yes. So um, first of all, thank you. This was, I know we're still recording, but this was probably one of the most incredible conversations I've ever had. So thank you for... Oh my God, thank you. Um, I've loved every minute. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to text Sass immediately being like, that was the best episode. I can't wait oh, for you to hear it. Yeah, Alana and I have a mutual <laughs> best friend. Yeah, and and I always love Alana. And this was, this was wonderful. Um, so thank you for thank having you. me and thank you guys for listening. So yes, you can find me. Um, I'm on Instagram. My name is Ariella. That's A-R-I-E-L-L-A. A-Z-A-R-A-F-L-C-S-W, which is my name, L-C-S-W. That's on Instagram, or it's the same at Gmail. It's my name, L-C-S-W, Gmail. Um, I actually am accepting. I have a few available um, slots right now. So you could reach out. Um, I'd love to hear any feedback from the podcast if you have. And yeah. Amazing. I will have that all linked in the show notes. Thank you again so, so much for being here. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Please go follow Ariella. Do yourself a favor. She's an amazing follow. And don't forget, if you have not yet given a five-star rating interview, please do. It means so, so much. Make sure you're following on Instagram at Seeing Other People. There will be tons of content and continued conversations from this episode. And I love you guys so much. I will see you next time. And until then, I'll be seeing other people. That was the first time I actually actually did that. I've been trying <laughs> I, I did that. it. I hope it went well. Oh my god. I've been trying to think of a closing for two years and that was the first time I like just did it. I and now love I'm just talking that. about it. And now I'm gonna click stop. Okay, bye guys. <laughs>